At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. This episode is brought to you by Nice Job. Nice Job is reputation marketing software that can help you grow your service business. Nice Job's automated tools will help you collect two to three times more reviews and then share those reviews where it matters most. Using social proof and a high converting website, you can be the top rated in your field. New signups can get $50 off when they mention the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Visit get.nicejob.com for more information. This podcast is sponsored by The Master Group, and I recently went in there, grabbed on, on loan to demo for you guys the Malco Turbo Shear HD. Now, basically, it fits onto your, your impact gun. Now, I want to make a solid effort to, to get better at metal because I want, to be, uh, I want to be better at all things that I'm weak at in this trade, and that's one of the, the things I want to focus on. So I thought that was a great tool for me to try and to show you guys. I can see it cutting or and reduce or cutting down your time reducing your time if you're doing a metal project and you got to cut quite a bit of metal so that is the malco turbo shear hd fits right onto your impact gun pretty cool device um, from the master group check out master.ca what's up hvackers welcome back to the podcast so we have a an awesome guest for you we're gonna talk we're gonna talk like we're just two techs sitting at a table discussing stuff. And basically that's what it is. He was at a table, I was at a table. We got Tim Destacio on the podcast. Now he goes by Tim Destacio HVAC on Instagram. Hope I got that right. If you guys wanna give him a follow. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a, a deep dive, if you will, into Tim's career as an HVAC consultant. All right, now the, the word consultant is in his business name. And this is the whole reason for the podcast is because I reached out to him and I asked him what that meant. And he gave me an explanation and said, hey, I would love to talk about this on the podcast. So that's what we did. We got together. We had a conversation that lasted for, hey, like almost an hour. And it was a really good one. I think you guys will enjoy the back and forth and some of the things Tim brings to the table when it comes to the home performance side of things, because we we take a little bit of a, a dive into home performance and how we can use data analytics the science uh technology of of today to make people more comfortable in their own homes so i think this is going to be a good podcast for you guys to listen to till the entire end i know you guys want to listen to the end anyway don't hit stop halfway through because you got (laughs) you got a job to do listen to the entire thing anyway i'm just kidding let's go this is the hvac not all podcast i'm your host gary mccready Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast, recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC, from storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. All right, now now we can... Uh... Now we have to stop talking about the juicy stuff, Tim, now that we're recording. <laughs> right. <laughs> how, yeah. how, are, how are you tonight, man? Doing really good. Off to a good start. Weather's starting to get cool here in North Carolina. And uh, yeah, we're doing good. I've got, uh, are you allowed to show people um, enjoying a, an adult beverage on your? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Okay. You should have yeah. told me because I would have grabbed one too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's your show, you know. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've no, we had um, we had Mike Clark and and Matt Waxer on like a year ago, or, or actually probably over a year ago, and we said ahead of time, hey, like we're gonna we're gonna crack some some cans during this episode, yeah. you guys down, and yeah, so so we did. Yeah, but That's when um, the real stuff comes out, yeah. I will pretend I've got one right now, and all and right, I'll, there and it I'll, is, and I'll cheers you, man, cheers. <laughs> you make the little imaginary with the with the can, and yeah. Yeah. There you so go. you're you're here, and, and I got to thank you for your time because uh, I know that we all have uh, a limited amount of time on this planet, and you're here spending maybe 
half hour to an hour with me. So I, I really appreciate that. And the reason we're talking now is because I reached out to you with a, with a question because I have seen companies out in the land of, of HVAC refrigeration that have a consulting sort of title to their name. And, and, and I wanted to ask you in your business because your business has consulting in the title. And I wanted to ask you what that meant. And, and you said, yeah, this is what it is. And I'll let you explain that to the audience. Um, but then you wanted to tell sort of a, a story of, of being in business for yourself and what it's like and, and sort of the, the path you're going on now. And um, I'll let you start with the consulting part. What is it yeah. and, and, and how does it function? So the name of my company is Southern Comfort Consulting and Service. And I, early on, I decided I wanted to be something a little bit different than just a mechanical contractor or a heating and air company. Um, and so I, I wanted a different name. And really, the consulting, it's kind of funny. When I first started the business, it was just a side gig. I was just going to do a few jobs every now and then, make some spending money, and have a consulting company, air quotes, where I could you know, have some expenses and for tax reasons and have write-offs. I didn't even understand what write-offs were back then. I just knew that if you had a business, you had write-offs and maybe that would benefit you. And so I created this consulting company and it turned into something that is a consulting contractor. And really there's no difference between me as a licensed contractor and a consulting contractor. It's just the big secret is just marketing. It's just a name. But the difference is in my market, technicians and companies aren't really trained that well. And so there's a lot of stuff that gets misdiagnosed. That's probably the same in a lot of markets. Um, And technicians start being trained just to sell upgrades instead of real solutions. And I saw a hole in the market, something where if I labeled myself as a consulting contractor, I could come in as a second opinion. I could be used, um, you know, you you have to back it up with science, but... I felt like I could do that. So early on, I started diagnosing comfort problems using building performance and building science. So I had to get educated on that. And um, I got a certification to be a, a building envelope analyst through BPI. And, um, you know, so I get used a lot from a consulting standpoint by um, home performance contractors, general contractors even um, environmental testing companies that go in and test for mold and other indoor air quality problems. I set myself up as the HVAC guy that spoke their language and knew what a blower door test was, knew what duct sealing was. And surprisingly, not a lot of companies in my market, even 10 years ago, were were talking about that kind of stuff. Uh, They just wanted to sell energy efficiency as an inverter unit. And if it was indoor air quality, it had to be something with a UV bulb. And I set myself apart from that. And now, you know, when people have comfort or energy problems, uh, humidity problems, they call me and, you know, we use building science. We use blower doors, flow hoods. Um, We'll do load calculations and we'll just use that, do that stuff that you're supposed to do anyway, but nobody here is really doing it. And that's how, you know, we're a consulting contractor and I've made a very good living going back behind other companies that are less reputable that are trying to rip people off. And I've gained a pretty big customer following just be, just by doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious on the, I've never done a blower door test. I've never been involved in one. And you mentioned BPI. That's how you got certification to do these. Is that what you said? Yeah. BPI, um, they're the building performance Institute. And so a few years ago, the local, power utility was sending HVAC contractors for free <laughs> for to a week long class and get certified. And they paid for it hundred percent. And I got that certification, learned how to run a blower door, learn how to you know do a proper duct test, learned about, you know, basic building performance and got this certification. And then I just, you know, I keep up my continuing education to renew it every year. So can you walk us through a blower door test? Just, it doesn't have to be in depth, but just the basics of it. What, what we're basically, what are we doing to perform it and what are we looking for? And then what are the corrective actions? Right. So 
one of the big secrets is in my company is I don't actually do the blower door test anymore. I got trained to do it. Okay. And I actually sub that out to home performance contractors who do that every day. All right. They can interpret those, those readings. But I mean, the basic concept in order to, to be a, a consultant, you kind of have to know how it works. So essentially you are usually depressurizing the house. And so you're setting up a, a blower in a frame in the front door of the house or another door and you're depressurizing the house. And so anywhere where the house is leaking, you're going to start sucking air from. And that uh, blower is like an ECM and it's hooked up to a very sensitive manometer. And that manometer, uh, you can set it so it sucks that house down to 50 pascals. And it's going to record how much CFM that blower is moving at 50 pascals. Once you know that, you can quantify how leaky the house is. You can compare that against certain standards. Um, your, um, your CFM at 50 pascals should usually be around the same as your square footage or less of your house. Mm-hmm. If it's more than your square footage, there's a lot of opportunities for air sealing. Um, and then you can also change that to quantify how many air changes per hour that means in infiltration or what the equivalent size of a window that's open all year round in the house is. And, uh, you know, your climate's very cold. It can also be very humid. Ours is very humid for a long period of time. And that equates to a lot of problems when you got that giant hole that's big in your house. And so really a blower door is a way of quantifying infiltration in a load calculation. You can, like in, I use WriteSoft, and so when you go into WriteSoft and you tell it what the infiltration rate of your house is, if you don't have a blower door, you're just choosing from loose to medium loose to tight to very tight. But a, a blower door number gives you a quantity of, of infiltration that you can put in there. And it's a much more accurate number instead of just being a wild guess. Yeah, that, that would be cool doing a load calculation to know the infiltration because I, that would really, really matter when it comes to, um, especially, especially when it's cold outside and you got like a a cold wind blowing up against the house, um, one side of the house. And if you have a lot of infiltration on that side and your thermostat is in like an adjacent room, that's not picking up that, that draft, um, you can have, you can get cold spots, which is right, which is then you got to figure out what are you going to do to rectify that, right? If you've only got one yeah. centralized system in your home and the thermostat's in one room, like what do you do, right? That, where, right. where do you go from there? Yeah, so a blower door test, will uh, it's usually coupled with a thermal imaging um, scan also of, of all the, the normal usual suspects of where air leakage is. So you don't want to do a blower door test when it's 65 degrees outside because there's no delta t between inside yeah, and outside you want to do it on a really hot day or a really cold day and then that accentuates all the places where that cold air is leaking in and then you know the other side of it is knowing what to do with those leaks are they fixable are they accessible how do you how do you seal them up um and so really you know i'm an hvac tech i took some classes to become aware of these things but just like a home performance contractor would probably not be uh, installing refrigerant piping and doing VRF systems. I, as a, a technician, don't get into the nuts and bolts of the home performance. We work together with a home performance contractor um, that uh, you know that, that knows what to do, and so we work together as a team. And early on, when I started my business, I realized that would land me a lot of work, and that would kind of make me different. And, uh, and so that's what I did. They do what they do. We do what we do. We work together as kind of sister companies. I see. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, I, I kind of cut you off when I asked you about that and you were on the track of just explaining the fact that your consulting company, uh, is basically taking down, taking you down an avenue to make a a good living for yourself. So that's kind of where you, you, you ended off where you when you, were you going to continue down that path where you were going there? Yeah. So, you know, we, our company is not much different than any other heating air conditioning company in any other way. If we go out on a service call and a system is down because it's a bad contactor, well, you know, I'm not going to break out a blower door for that. I'm going to yeah. diagnose a contactor and replace a contactor. So there's not much difference there. We replace systems. We replace motors. We do compressors. You know, we do all that stuff. Um, the difference is what happens when you go on a service call and the system is running 
and the suction line is cold and the air kind of feels cold coming out, but they've got hot and cold spots. What do you do? Well, the normal company in my market is going to start trying to sell them some kind of VRF system or um, they're going to try to upsize the, the unit because the unit's not keeping up. And, you know, I've done posts on this before where I just, you know, just do a little bit of looking and you realize, wow, there's a lot of opportunities for making this building envelope better. And that's the reason why we're not comfortable. The unit's doing just fine. What, what are we going to do with the unit other than replace it? And that's not usually an option. So that's where my plan or my model and everyone else's model kind of diverges is what happens when the unit is running and it is cooling, but it's not getting the job done and people are uncomfortable or they have indoor air quality problems. One way is product-based where you're going to try to sell something that comes in a box. The other way is method-based and science-based where you're going to use testing to diagnose and fix a problem at its source, at its root cause, other than trying just to treat the symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very similar to you go to the doctor and you've got high blood pressure, um, you know, but you're 300 pounds and you never exercise and eat fast food all the time. Well, your doctor could put you on high blood pressure medication to just fix the symptoms. And he's probably making a lot of money from the pharmaceutical companies doing that. Or he could advise you to go on a diet and have an exercise regimen that's going to fix a problem at its source. He's probably not going to make as much money back from that, but that's the right thing to do. And that's a problem that I have with you know, the way a lot of companies do things. And, you know, I've ranted about this before online, if, mm -hmm. you know, about sales techs is that, you know, we're not, we're doing everybody a disservice by doing it one way. And yeah, we make a ton of money doing that. But if we really try to fix the problem at the root cause using science and proven industry standards and techniques to fix problems where they start, that's the right thing to do. And once you learn how to do that, you learn that science and you learn that method, you can't unlearn it. You can't go back to the old way. And that's where I found myself now is that I keep learning, going down that path. And it's like, well, well, man, I can't just stop doing that. I have to keep going down this path. I'm never going to be one of those companies that just tries to sell something in a box to fix a problem anymore. Yeah. If, if you have that knowledge and you know how to fix it properly and give somebody that comfort that they need without having to just say, Hey, new unit, <laughs> then yeah, of right. course. But can you like, when, when you like the, the two paths you were talking about diverging off when, when the unit is running, um, as you were saying, can you give us an example of the unit is running? It's just not cooling well enough. Like examples of what you've done to correct the issue without having to sell them a new unit, for example. Yes. So I, I think about, I think I posted this back in July um, on Instagram and, and YouTube because it was like a classic example. I go to a service call and it's a customer that's kind of used this off and on um, over the years. So we don't have a service agreement with them, but you know we're kind of familiar with the house. And it's the dead of summer and they're like, look, our thermoset's in the hallway and it reads... 78 degrees all the time. We're hot. It's, you know, set on 75. It can't keep up. We think we need a bigger unit and the unit's eight years old. And when I do a quick, you know, tonnage per square footage, which is not to substitute for a load calculation, but it prevents you from barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. I realized, you know, this unit should be keeping up. So, you know, I go and I put, you know, I go full measure quick with all my smart probes and I just, I take a look at the unit. Um, and this is after doing like a preliminary walk around with your hands in your pockets, not wanting to, to, you know, again, start barking up the wrong tree, but you realize, well, the system is running. It is hot in the house. Nothing, you know, filters are clean. Coils are clean. All that stuff is, is right. You do a full measure quick measure quick says the units operating three and a half ton units putting out, you know, roughly, you know, 40 something thousand BTUs, nothing wrong with the unit the BTUs somehow are not getting to the house or the house needs more BTUs. So which is it? Um, and so at that point you, I start moving probes around and maybe instead of putting my probes in the return grills, I go up to the attic where the air handler's at and I see what my return temperature is at the return plenum instead of inside at the return grill. And I realize, well, that's a 14 degree difference between the temperature of the, re at the return grill then the temperature at the return plenum where the unit is. Well, of course my unit can't keep up. It's, you know, you're losing 
14 degrees before it even hits the, the indoor coil. And then you start poking around, you realize, okay, we got a lot of issues here. This unit's sucking in attic air uh, because they never sealed the return boxes, which are in the ceiling. They never sealed that to the, to the uh, sheetrock. Uh, you realize that there's insulation problems. There's insulation falling down in, the, in certain places in the attic, and maybe the insulation wasn't even installed correctly. What sometimes people don't realize is that if you just suspend bat insulation and it's not touching sheetrock on the bottom or on at least five sides, uh, you may have put an R13 bat of insulation in there, but it's actually operating or, or performing at R0. You got to have some kind of air barrier right there. And so knowing what to look for, you start realizing, well, yeah, this three and a half ton unit isn't really performing at three and a half tons. And it's got a lot more than three and a half tons of load because our insulation values really stink. And then you start looking around, you start seeing all kinds of other air leaks in the house. And it was a hot day. I didn't have a blower door with me, but I had my thermal camera with me and I could see all kinds of hot spots. And I realized, okay, this house is a candidate for a blower door test, thermal imaging, and going down that weatherization pathway. The only thing I can do here is charge them for my consulting fee. I need to turn them over to our energy team. They need to run the test and need to give the recommendations and fix it. And that is going to take care of their high energy bills, their comfort problems. They're going to test in with the blower door. They're going to do the work and then they're going to test out. And, you know, when I did that, and I also did just a quick load calculation on WriteSoft, just like a block load doesn't take that long. And it kind of confirmed all my suspicions. And that way... You know, the customers start spending money on things that are actually going to fix the problem instead of we're just throwing darts at the wall. Maybe a bigger unit's going to work or maybe it's it's something else. You know, when you start testing, now you can, you've got proof. You can fix it. Yeah. So a couple of questions. If you encounter something like this and then you say, listen, we got to bring in... Um, our home, uh, what, what do you call them? The, the home? Um... I call it, as to my customers, I call them our energy team, even okay, though they're a completely energy... separate company. But yeah, our energy team. Okay. So is the customer willing to pay for these people to come in and do this? Because I could see a lot of customers be like, ah, you know what? I'm not paying a couple thousand bucks or how, like, I don't know how much it costs for this to happen, but for, for them to do this and go, okay, well, all they're going to tell me is I got to go do some caulking around my windows and, and maybe seal up some duct. Like, do you get a lot of customers that actually say, go ahead and do this? What's up guys. So this segment of the podcast now has a new sponsor, a new heading sponsor for the segment that is JB warranties. Now, what is JB warranties? They offer extended warranty programs, to your customers for the HVAC equipment they purchase from you. Now, this can be a big thing for some customers because they like to have that peace of mind. So, 14-day claim turnaround. They are already working with 18K, 18,000 partners within um, the industry. And one thing that's really important to a lot of owners and techs is labor reimbursement because a lot of manufacturers don't give enough labor reimbursement when their parts fail. So, JB Warranties offers three hundred up to three hundred dollars an hour in labor reimbursement. So that is that is some pretty cool stuff right there. So if you're looking to offer your customer base extended warranty programs, check out JB Warranties. Haven IAQ guys, well they're doing awesome things in the industry when it comes to indoor air quality with their central air controller and their central air monitor. You can use those two things in conjunction to monitor and then control indoor air quality devices like humidifiers, dehumidifiers, HRVs, ERVs. Um, if you're interested in, in trying this stuff out at a reduced cost, they have a personal use program. You're going to reach out to sales at haveniaq.com to check that out. E-Motors Direct, guys, you guys heard the last podcast. We had Corey and Chris on discussing the platform, discussing some motor uh, education. If you haven't heard that podcast, go back and check it out. E-Motors Direct uh, what they do is they supply motors through an e-commerce platform. So if you have a dead motor, you go on their website, you find the motor or the, the cross that you're looking for, order it, it gets delivered to the site you want it to get delivered to, like your actual job site. So check out emotorsdirect.ca and there's a savings there of 8% when you order using code HVAC know it all. Uh, refrigeration technologies, I got to say that their Viper wipes, they're not just for cleaning hands. 
I'm telling you right now, I cleaned up, uh, so I had a, a induced draft motor that failed and it burnt out and it left just a mess over top of the, the, the burner cover. And I use those wipes to clean it. And because there's no water in them, they're not going to leave rust. All right. I clean my tools with them and they work awesome with your hands. You got moisturizers in them that leave your hands actually feeling softer, um, than before you clean them. So check out the Viper wipes guys from refrigeration technologies. So if you guys are into pressing refrigeration fittings with, with RLS and you're a Milwaukee fan, well, Milwaukee has launched a tool that works in conjunction with the RLS jaws. So I want you guys, you got to do, do a little bit le legwork research. Um, RLS press fitting, um, refrigeration pipes now has a, a jaw that fits in the Milwaukee press tool. Uh, so check that out guys, because I know you guys, I know you guys out there, it's like team yellow versus team red. <laughs> so if you guys are into Milwaukee, check it out. If you're into pressing, check it out. And that's where you separate the people that are serious about fixing their problems and the people that aren't. So I charge for my consulting fee, um, which in that case is not a lot of money because usually generally I'm going to go into a house. It's not going to take me that long to kind of figure out which way this thing's going. Do we have a broken HVAC unit? Do we have a broken house? And so um, then we, uh, our energy team has a flat rate kind of below 3000 square feet. This is what they charge to do the test. And then, 3,000 to 4,000, it's this, and 4,000 plus, it's it's something else. And so I kind of already have that pricing there, and I just let them know, look, this is what it's going to take to test the house and then to know what to quantify and uh, pinpoint exactly where the problems are. Um, and then only then can we actually fix them. And I'd say 50% of the people go with the test and 50% don't. And those are the 50% of people that really appreciate what we do. And that's the kind of customers that you get for life. So, you know, a blower door test isn't that expensive. Um, you know, I'm not, we're usually going to charge about 350 to $450 for it. Um, and it tells you a lot about your house. And then you can pinpoint a, where the leaks are. You can develop a scope of work. And then the actual work may be several thousand dollars. So some people are going to go for that. Some people are not. You know, what kind of customer do you want to have? You, you know, you're always going to have cheapskate customers. And, and none of us want to work for them. So isn't putting skin their skin in the game sooner in the process and identifying who they are, uh, which one, which, what kind of customer they are, isn't that better to do on the front end than the back end? Um, yeah, and so, I, I totally uh, agree. I totally agree. A good customer yeah. is 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 awesome to have. Um, a lot of people that are in business for themselves sometimes can't don't they can't afford the opportunity to turn down a customer too, right? So, I mean, I can right. see it coming from both ways. So, l let me ask you, devil's advocate: if if you encounter a problem with the house, leaky um, windows, doors, uh, envelope is just leaking in general, and and maybe leaky ductwork and the unit's not keeping up, but the customer wants a resolution, but doesn't want to go down the path of paying for this extra testing and, and um, fixing of their building envelope. How do you deal with that? Like what, what do you do in that case? So if the customer doesn't want to pay for the testing, but they want to fix the problem. I they mean, they just want, would... yeah, they want it cooler in the house, but they're like, I, I don't have extra money to spend on blower door tests and then a couple thousand bucks to fix all the, the cracks in my house and blah, 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 blah. They just want a, you to come in and go, hey, listen, just do something to, to fix this and make it on the cheap. Do you, is that when you say, okay, I can't because of all these conditions that you have existing or I can try this or that? Like, where, where do you go from there? I think being very honest with them early on and telling them, you know, you've got a problem. Problems cost money to fix. Yeah. You, know, you either want to spend that money or you don't. It's just like, you know, the, it, I mean, let's, let's bring this back to terms that most technicians would understand. A customer calls and their air conditioning's not working, but they don't want to pay you to put gauges on the unit and try to figure out what's going on. Well, I can't do my job without, without testing properly. You know, and so, you know, and a phone conversation before you even go out a lot of times will help me weed out the ones that don't want um, to do that. I tell them early on, you know, this is my fee for coming out. 
most likely we're going to, we're going to need some kind of energy assessment done. This is how much it costs. Um, but you know, let me go out there and actually take a look at it first. And right there, as soon as you start talking money with people and you take that free estimate out of the, the picture, you're going to weed out the customers that are serious and the ones that are just kicking tires. Yeah. So to me, there's nothing wrong with the free estimate. If I go out on a job and my purpose there is to give them an estimate to replace their system, they've already made the decision, Their your system needs to be replaced, they just want an estimate, that's a free estimate. I, I give those all day long. But if I'm out there to diagnose, <laughs> you know, you're a technician too. I mean, if you're good at something, you don't give it away. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're there to die, you're paying me to diagnose a problem. There's money involved with that. And diagnosing a house is the same thing. It takes money. It takes expertise and tools and instrumentation and that costs. Um, and so that's why we charge on the front end and the people that are serious pay it. And the people that aren't call somebody else and they get an air scrubber and an upsized unit from the other guy. And that's fine. Um, but at least, you know, I sleep good that night. Mm-hmm. No, it, it makes sense. And and I like what you said about talking to the customer beforehand, because a lot of times you get an indication of um, if the customer is actually going to haggle with you or not, because I mean, it, it's, I've, I've had these customers in the past where I'm, I'm at their building. I'm like, I diagnosed the problem and, and, and I'm talking about like a customer that's running, it's like a mom and pop shop type type business right they don't have a lot of money and then i'm scooting off to go get the part and they're like well um are you charging me to go get the part and i'm like yeah i am charging you to go get the part because i gotta drive there uh there's gas money involved it's my time like my time's not free um when i'm on the clock you're not like my buddy or my family like we're doing work for, for you today um so yes i am charging you to go and and those are the customers i think that over the course of time you're gonna have problems getting a paycheck um, from them in, in general, they're going to haggle you down all the time. And I've always said in the past, like, don't walk away from a customer, but I've, I've realized in the last few years that sometimes you have to walk away from a customer or else it's going to mm-hmm. cause you a ton of problems. So I'm, I'm glad yeah. you said that. Yeah. I mean, uh, people, it's the same with HVAC customers and I mean, homeowners, are homeowners, um, we, we know the type, but you know, if you're just willing to say, okay, that's fine. You know, this is what I do. This is what I, I charge for it. It's totally okay. If you don't want uh, to, to go down that right, that, that road, best wishes to you. Um, have a nice day. And that's fine. I mean, I've, I haven't walked away from money that often where people owe me money, but for me, it's just not worth it to, to collect it. But there's been a few times when people be like, I'm not paying that $350 bill to replace you know, a fan blade. I, I, that's too expensive. I, I'm not doing that. It's like, okay, I'm not going to try to, pers- your, your piddly little $350 is not going to be the difference between me making my mortgage payment or not this month. Yeah. Uh, um, that's fine. Just, we can't do any business together anymore and um, I'm out. And I haven't had to do that that many times. You just kind of have to read people and make sure that you're very clear with what your scope of work is and how much it costs on the, on the front end. And so there's no surprises and you'll be, I mean, you'd be surprised how many of those problems you whittle out of the equation when, when you do that. Yeah. Um, and then I had another question for you that goes back to when you were talking about the right soft, uh, program for load calculations. Now, can you tell me a little bit about that? First of all, I want to know, is it free? Um, and, and second, is it mobile or is it just on laptop? Like, can you kind of take us down that path for a minute? So WriteSoft is a Windows-based program. Um, okay. To me, I started using it 10 years ago when I got started in my business because I wanted, I needed to learn how to do load calculations. I was part of taking the tests, but also I realized that you should never replace a system without doing at least a block load calculation on the entire perimeter of the house. You know, you don't have to do a room to room, but you got to know what your tonnage is. And so I took a, a class early on, on how to use it. It's, it's windows based. Um, they don't, I don't think they really have like a, a an iPad version of it. Um, so it is, I really wish they would, but for me, I am still of the, I'd much rather use a laptop with a mouse and a keyboard than an iPad or a phone anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of, you know, okay, boomer, uh, I know, but, um, you're so not, I kind of like You're it. not a, you're not a boomer. 
Are no, you? I'm not. No. I'm not yeah. 41. Yeah, yeah, I'm, Gen, I'm not a millennial, Gen, though. I'm definitely Gen, not a millennial. You, you and I are both Gen X, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, But no, I it's it, it works for me. It's Windows-based. It's a really good program. It's very apparent. It doesn't only do load calculations. You, um, you draw the rooms uh, using a draw feature that's really easy to learn. Um, you put in all the room, the, the materials of what makes up the walls and the ceilings, and you put in window information. You can stack floors on top of each other. Uh, but then you can draw, once it gives you the load, now you can draw the ductwork. And then it starts giving you friction rates, and it sizes the duct for you. And then there's other features I don't really use. There's an energy usage calculator, so you can show people what option equipment option A will, um, will save them over the course of 10 years in energy, um, which I, I don't really use that because that is not much of a sell energy is cheap in North Carolina compared to other states. Mm-hmm. And so usually the the upgrades that we sell are not really for energy. They're for indoor air quality and just um, noise and, and you know other factors. But energy, it's really hard to get a return on investment in energy uh, in, in my market. So I don't use that feature of it too much. There's even a feature where you can price jobs with it. So everything that you draw it has a cost to it. You know, a, a five foot piece of duct has a, and so if you enter all the stuff into the database, it will spit you out a materials list. Um, and I've just never taken the time to use that or the energy feature, but I think the energy feature is um, you can download the free version of RightSoft. and the energy feature can be used uh, the, pretty well. Nate Adams, um, who is, you know, a really well known in the home performance sector, um, he uses that with his customers, and he did a seminar at um, the HVAC school symposium last year about how to how to do like reverse load calculations, where you um, take how your unit is performing and you throw it in. I, I I'm not doing it to justice, but anyway, um, you can use WriteSoft and the energy feature for that, and um, that part's free. But WriteSoft itself is a paid uh, subscription. Um, you pay yearly for it. If you, there is a free version, but it's a demo version. Okay. It's fully functional, but the city that they lock you in is like something North Dakota. So, I mean, your load calculation is never going to be right unless you live in that city. So, um, but you can play around with it all you want. What and I tell you, their website is full of how-to videos. They really step you through the whole process from beginning. Very to end. cool. Yeah. So I recommend it. There's other stuff that's coming out there that's using like 3D. Uh, you draw the room in 3D um, and other, uh, and it's got some really cool features there that I think would appeal to especially younger people and um, just kind of old school. I like something that's Windows based that I can click with a mouse. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would love to look into WriteSoft, especially because it does some some duct design for you, as yeah. you were mentioning, and and I I. I like you said, there's probably some other stuff coming out. And I think the 3D stuff would be very cool to send to a customer and go, hey, look, this is your mm-hmm. three, this is your house in 3D. This is your load mm-hmm. calcs. This is your duct design. Mm-hmm. I think that would be per- pretty um, valuable to, to a customer because customers, uh, well, not just customers, but anybody that um, likes visuals, mm-hmm. um, they would get a kick out of that, I think. You got into this business, this this business that you just described for us and consulting, and I think it's very cool. and And I think more technicians should maybe model any tech that's looking to go out on their own or is on their own should maybe look into modeling themselves as you described, because I think it opens up the door for more opportunity um, to be a a well respected contractor and and a contractor that's coveted because of the knowledge and, and the different um, help buttons they can push to bring in this person and that person to 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 do the right thing in in the the building um, or home or whatever. But maybe your your decision from being a technician into business ownership how do we how do we go from from being a technician? into wanting to own a business and to saying, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm firing this business up. Yeah. So, um, I recently wrote an article on my blog, um, about how to, how I did that and the path that I took. And I think one of the first things that I did is, is really assess whether I'm, I'm built for, to, to run a business. You know, not everybody has the circumstances to, to run a business. Um, 
you know, you got to really think about what your family life is. Do you have a stable enough family life that is going to be able to handle you being away from, you know, the, the family for, for a while? I mean, starting a business, especially at first, it's, it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of attention. Um, you got to think about the financial aspect of it. You're going to have a lot of expenses that go in all at once. Can you afford that? Or are you deeply in debt? <laughs> um, what's going to happen if you can't pay yourself for the first six months because you're you're using all that money to buy recovery machines and vacuum pumps and and other stuff that that you need? So you know, one of the first things that I did it was a long um, it was it, it was a long process. Uh, for me to go from technician to, to owner. Um, the other thing that I want to caution people against doing is to leave your job and start your business because you're ticked off at your boss all in one weekend. It, you know, a lot of us leave our, 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 the company that we work for and start our own business because we are ticked off about our boss or, or about, you know, the, the conditions that we work and we don't feel like that our ideas are being, um, you know, listened to or, or considered. And that was one of the reasons why I left. But you don't want to make a rash decision. This is a life-altering decision to start your own business. So you want to make sure that you're careful and you're calculating the cost. Um, and then, so for me, I wanted to make sure that I was legitimate. You know, a lot of guys, they just start doing side work and they're not licensed. They're not insured. They're not, they're not legitimate. They're not paying taxes on that, that work. And you know, after a while, to me that 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 is is not right. You know, I I wanted to be a legitimate uh, business that was that I could hand out a business card and not have to worry about um, the state board uh, coming after me because I'm running an illegitimate business. So I got licensed, and that was a year process for me to take prep classes, learn how to do load calculations, learn manual J D S um, the code books, all that stuff. And I did nothing but study and take practice tests for like nine months. So and finally, can, yeah. can, can I stop you there? Uh -huh. So you yep, needed yep. to do all of that in order to be a licensed contractor, right? I um, or a, li I mean, a to, license to be, a licensed business owner. Sorry. Yeah. So to be a to to be able to pull permits and install equipment in North Carolina, you need to have a license. Um, and so if you're going to do that, then obviously you show income, you got to pay taxes on that income, you got to have insurance. Um, so it's like one thing trips the trigger on everything else. And so the very first thing that I, I needed to do was just get my contractor's license, just to, ha you know, pass the test. Um, and then once you do that, then if you set up a business, then, you know, you've got a set it up with the city or that you work in and the state that you work in and the county, you got to make sure that all these entities are going to get their tax. Yeah. I, I that, that's the yeah. part I understand is the, the, right. the part that I was trying to get out of you. There was like the manual J and all that you needed to do that in order to get your license or you just wanted to do that. So in order to pass the test, you have to be able to answer manual J questions. Okay. Sam. And, and this is to get a license to go out on your own or just to be a licensed technician? A licensed contractor to be able okay. to pull permits and install equipment. Ah, uh, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. See, right. I, I think in a lot of places, including probably where you're at, you have to have certifications or be a licensed technician or a journeyman. I assume like people in your your, your case, you had to take a test in order to be a, li a licensed HVAC technician, is that correct? Yeah. So, so for us okay. here, it's it's the fi it's a five year apprenticeship. You have to be registered as an apprentice. Then you do a five year apprenticeship, and then you write your your final test after all your schooling and that. And then you're a licensed um, refrigeration technician. Then our gas license is separate. We got to do that separately. Um, but then there's there's three levels of that. Once you you're done your three levels, you can work on anything under the sun that's gas fired. Doesn't matter. It could be hundred thousand million trillion BTUs. You can work yeah. on it. Right. But once you have those tickets, you can go uh, to the city or the town you live in or wherever the, and just, and register a business. You don't have to um, do all of the, the, the like the, the, any more testing. Yeah. And that's, that's very different from how it is in the South. Um, in the South, there isn't much of a union presence. And so that whole apprentice journeyman, master. Uh, there's there's none of that here. Um, and there's no structured system for a technician to get certified in advance as a journeyman and become a master technician. There, there really isn't. You just, you show up to work, you learn from the guy who you're riding in the van with, 
who learn from the guy that he's riding in van with. One day you look around and you realize, huh, I'm like one of the lead technicians. Maybe I need to ask for a, a raise. And there's no structure to it. And that's part of the problem. That's part of why there was a, a hole in my market was there's no certification to be an HVAC technician in, in my market. So anybody can call themselves an HVAC technician, apply for a job, land a job, get the keys to a truck. As long as they have an EPA card that allows them to handle refrigerant, they can start working on heating and air. Um, they can be a technician. To be a contractor, though, you have to take a test. I see. And yeah, so it's different. I really like the structure that you see in a lot of states up north in Canada where, you know, there is that just like a like nursing school. I mean, there are different levels of nursing. You go to school, you get certified, you advance. I mean, we're working on stuff that can kill people and there's there's no certifications. <laughs> it's just <laughs> jump in the truck and yeah. start turning the wrenches, man. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so for me, I wanted to, in order for me to be a contractor and pull permits and install equipment, I needed to get licensed. So that's, you know, and that really speaks to, you know, your area has a, a, a way to become legitimate. My area is completely different. You've got to figure out in your area what your path needs to be to be legitimate and legal mm -hmm. um, because you don't want to be flying under the radar. Um, it's yeah. Yeah. We got to pay taxes. We got to follow the rules, but it's cheap insurance because if that house burns down and they come after you, if you did things the right way, you've got a lot less to worry about. So yeah, that's, that's, you know what I did. And then there are other things from, a business ownership standpoint, you want to take business, some, a few business classes, even if they're just a few evening classes from your local community college, um, or they're, and they're always free. I mean, any, any county, any municipality has these little free entrepreneurial classes that are going to teach you some basic bookkeeping, basic accounting terms to understand what profit margin is and what, you know, uh, what all these terms, accounts receivable, accounts payables, you want to be able to know what these are because you're going to be dealing with them. And, um, you know, so so learn business and, and those terms and have at least an idea about how to run a, a, a profitable business. Um, trying to think of what else I, uh, you may have to end the, edit this out because I'm, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank here. Um, get legitimate, learn, um, yeah, and then also have a have a good accountant. I mean, from the start, have a good accountant that's going to help you to stay profitable, stay uh, stay above board. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's that's really important. A, a good accountant, because I mean, I I know people that have had accountants that like ten years into business ownership, they're like the government comes to them and says, "Hey, like uh, you owe us a lot more money than you've paid us," and but they're like, "Wait, right. wait a minute, my accountant's been doing my taxes like." And, and they just get stuck because their accountant may yeah. have been doing something wrong or, or right. so. Yeah. And then on the other, the other hand, I mean, you could have an accountant that is not writing off enough stuff or putting it in the right, right. blocks of the, or putting it in the right yeah. columns and costing you more money. So yeah, having a good accountant is, is definitely one of those things you should be looking for. Yeah, we, we got to remember that we're HVAC technicians. That's what we're good at. But when you step into business ownership, you are starting as an apprentice in a completely different discipline. And that's running a business. And a little bit of humility is important. You got to realize you don't know every, just because you are a good technician doesn't mean you're going to be immediately successful as a business owner. You got to learn that side of it too. So you kind of need to already be good at HVAC when you do that. Because if you're still messing up uh, units and and impro you know, overcharging units, undercharging units, you, you still don't have a good grasp of the HVAC side and you're still making basic mistakes there. And then you start your own business and you've got a learning curve there. You're going to be in for a, a rough time. I, yeah, I totally agree. So get, get your HVAC on first. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, mean, I was We're in tech for, for 12 years before I, I started my own business. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that would be, that would probably be advisable, right? Because yeah. uh, you, you got to learn the ins and outs of the trade, but you also got to learn things like how to deal with a customer and how to, uh, because when you're in business for yourself, even though now you don't have a boss, but your, your, your customers are your bosses and right. you have different, you have a ton of, now you got a ton of bosses, right? Um, yeah. And they, they've all got different personalities. So you really have to have the soft skills and the people skills 
And, and I, I know you make fun of sales techs all the time and, and so do I, and, and I, and I, the memes are funny and stuff, yeah. but at the same time, you need to know how to sell or you're not going to make any money. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, sales is not a bad thing. Um, if, if you're there for the purpose of selling, uh, or sometimes you have to talk somebody into doing the, the, the right thing and you have to kind of put on a salesman hat to talk them into replacing that unit instead of sinking $1,600 into a compressor on something that's 30 years old. Yeah. You know, and, and that person is really, I mean, they just have no intention of, of buying a, a new unit and you have to talk them into that. To me, you know, that's, that's fine. Sales, look, sales is how we make money. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, of course, you know, when, when you go there under the guise of diagnosing a problem, and but really you're there to sell them something new that's you know where i have a problem with it but you know that's i've i've done enough memes and enough enough rants on that <laughs> <laughs> i don't think we want to go down that road again <laughs> yeah no 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 but it's it, it's true though there there's people out there and and i had a meme yes today or yesterday basically saying like that um we are not the same. It was Gus Frings. I yeah. don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, Gu- oh, Gus, yeah, Gus, yeah. Yeah, Gu- Gus Frings from uh, from Breaking, Breaking Bad, Bad, like yeah. tightening up his tie in, in, a, in a, right. a super nice suit. And it was like, yeah. um, I can't remember what I said. It was like um, the person that sells a new unit based on um, data-driven analytics or whatever versus right. the guy that doesn't know how to change the contact or doesn't know why the contactor's not pulling in. So let's sell them a new one. Um, right. yeah, there, exactly there's, it. there's, yeah. there's shady sales tactics out there. And unfortunately yeah. a lot of these businesses, they're, they're training their techs to do this. Um, the walk in, Oh, it doesn't, it's not working. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe you want a new unit, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Martin or Mrs. Smith or whatever her name is. Uh, let, right. let's talk about a new unit instead of right. figuring out what's wrong with the unit first, finding how much it's going to cost to fix it. Um, what may go wrong in the future? Like there's a lot of things to, to, to consider rather than just shoving a no. new unit down someone's throat, right? Yeah. And, you know, if, if we're going to talk, we can talk about that if you want. I mean, what, what kind of gets me is that these are usually larger companies that have the ability to train them to their, their technicians. They, they set their technicians in training once a week for half a day. And, and what do they spend that time on? Is it teaching them how a TXV works? Is it teaching them about building performance and psychrometrics? No, it's teaching them sales tactics. It's like you obviously can afford to take them out of the field for a few hours and you have their attention. You can teach them anything you want to. And so your intentions are very clear that you just want to teach them how to essentially just build wealth for the owner. And there's nothing wrong with building wealth, but you, know, you can go about it the right way. Um, when people judge success on, on revenue, like technicians say, why well, I, I made over a million dollars for my company last year. Well, if we're going to judge success by revenue, you know, there's a lot more, uh, profitable ways to sell stuff out of a van. You know, drug dealers make a lot of money selling stuff out of a van. It doesn't necessarily make it worth the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So we don't judge success solely on revenue. There's a lot that goes into it. Your reputation. I mean, look, I've had good years and I've had really bad years financially, but I feel like overall my business is successful because of the reputation that I've built in in my community. And that's really, if you go about it, if you go about business doing the right thing, treating everybody like your grandmother, then you know, you're, the money will take care of itself. If you're charging enough for what you do and you're, you're, you're a decent technician the money will take care of itself. Your reputation and who you are to the people around you, that's what's really going to matter. Yeah. No, 100% agree. And I mean, on that note, like we've been talking for a while, if, if you have something else to throw in here and on on, on this topic, I, I mean, go, go ahead now. And we'll wrap it up in a few minutes. Yeah, I think that um, going back to the, the topic of, of going from technician to, to owner, you want to understand what kind of business you want to run. Um, you know, what, what your goals are. If your goals are strictly financial and you want to make as much revenue as you can, um, don't talk to me. <laughs> you know, I'm not the guy to, to talk about, but you know, you want to understand what, what your goals are. If your goal is just to, uh, to do the right thing, be a good, do a good service for your community, be, bring technical excellence to your market then then do that. And I think that there is a huge 
demand in any market for HVAC technicians who understand uh, not only the equipment, everyone likes to focus on the equipment, but zoom out and, and look at the whole building as a system. And if you can get into home performance, building performance, get some kind of certification that's valid in your area. And if you're starting your own business, you can find other companies that appreciate that. There's a whole industry of home performance and they need HVAC technicians and small owner operators that are not just out looking to try to sell uh, something that comes in a shiny box, but who speak their language, who can take a blower door reading and say, yeah, this house has a lot of infiltration in it. We're in a humid climate. We also need to think about what our CFMs per uh, per ton are and maybe throw in a dehumidifier. Um, you know, speak that kind of language uh, to them. Seal up the home. Let's get a new infiltration rate. Try to figure out what size dehumidifier we need to put in. That's the kind of thinking that this market really needs. There are plenty of companies out there that are selling hard start kits and, and, and air scrubbers. And, you know, you want to be one of them, that's fine. If you want to be different, you're going to find work um, by, by being different. And you're going to be doing things the right way. According to, you're going to be doing things the way that, that science dictates how stuff actually works instead of having to just kind of fumble your way through explaining to your customer how this device is supposed to clean up their air. When you don't really understand how it works, you just know when you plug it in, it says on the box that it has, you know, certified space technology. Maybe I'm going a little too far. Maybe I did a rant here, but, uh, you know. Rants rants are acceptable. Rants are acceptable. What what I was going to say, though, is to add to that, if you are, if you are a, an individual or or a company that has a strong reputation people will wait for you people will if they have a problem yeah. let's say that they, they have a problem this problem That's has lasted for, for a couple of years let's say it's lasted for a couple of years and they, they they're like you know what i've had it it's really hot today right. i'm gonna call this guy out um but if they've had recommendations from their friends their coworkers you got to get this guy in your house. He solved all my problems by right. doing these things. And, and they put this in or put that in like a dehumidifier, an HRV. They solved this. Um, people will wait for you. And the conversation yeah. we had before we, yeah. we started recording was that I was telling you how my friend Jake Gibson and, and some of the people that are listening may have heard that podcast where he's out in Vernon, BC, and he started his company there about a year or so ago and said, listen, we're not working. Uh, we're not working after hours and we're not working weekends we want our guys to be happy go home uh, have a balanced lifestyle but we do good work during the day and we're going to set our reputation that way and if if you're that good people will call you leave a message the next morning you'll call them back and they'll be like you you come out because we want you we you don't need to come out at nine o'clock at night or whatever Come out when you're free, right? Because that's the reputation right. you built for yourself. Yeah, that is. Um, and that's how we we are here in my company is that our technicians are on call, but really we don't run call in the evenings. And the only time we run an emergency call is for a, a customer with a service agreement. It has to be a true emergency. Uh, it has to be water dripping out of the ceiling, a gas leak, or, you know, it's it's a really cold or really hot weekend and they're they're out. And then we'll, we'll pull a tech out. But that is a really good point that you don't have to be down in the trenches with everybody else. You can stand above. And that's what I did with the whole consulting contractor, again, air quotes thing, is that was a way for me to kind of rise above the trenches a little bit. And if you're good at what you do and you treat people right, they will wait for you. Um, they won't haggle you for, for trying, trying to beat you up on your pricing. You can be above that. Everybody wants to be up there, but you actually have to back it up with knowledge, with technical excellence and with integrity. Um, and if you can do that, then then you're going to be very successful no matter what. And you don't have to be a burnt out HVAC owner. You don't have to be burnt out. Um, it, it is avoidable. It'll creep up on you, but you can take some steps and avoid the burnout. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Well, yeah. Tim, I, I appreciate your time tonight. And this was a really good conversation. Like this was... Um, this was a conversation where I didn't have to bring any notes down and prepare because we were going to talk to a manufacturer about, you know what I mean? We just, right. we just had a chat, man. And this is, this is the, the, the podcast that I, that I love the most. Yeah. And I just want to take a moment and thank you um, guys like you that take time away from your family and your personal pursuits to teach uh, the next generation and the current generation of this industry 
um, that's something special. And you guys are, are driven. I wish I could be more like guys like you or, or Brian or, um, or is that just have it all together and, and, and just really bring some great information, really represent this industry. Um, I really appreciate what you do and, and maybe you don't hear that enough, but you know, you're going to hear it tonight. Maybe it's this <laughs> hop drop and roll India pale ale that I'm drinking, but I just, um, you know, I, I really, I really appreciate the content that, that you put out and, and what we do is important. Um, it's, uh, it, you know, our industry, it's, it's important to be a, a skillful tradesman. Um, it's, I'm reminded of a Proverbs as I promise I'll, I'll, I'll stop talking after this. But <laughs> there, there's, there's a Proverbs 20, 22, 29 says that, have you seen a man skillful at his work? He will stand before Kings. And that's really what we have to remember about being tradesmen is that if we're skillful at our work, we will still get the old, you just, a respect from the community. It's still out there. We have the best job in the world. We just, you know, we, we, we got to just strive to be the best we can at it. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate that. And you say, I can't remember what you said, but all having it all together, trust me, I'm, I'm a complete mess, man. I'm like last minute, <laughs> everything. Like I run downstairs to, to fire up a podcast, like five minutes before I'm supposed to, cause I'm trying to put the kids to bed and wash up the dishes from dinner and, it's just it's just chaos. So I don't know I'm, how you do it. I'm 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 glad you you think it's all together because in my brain it's scattered. It's everywhere. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I appreciate that, man, and yeah, I appreciate you, your time tonight for sure. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. I gotta say, conversations like this are my favorite because we just sit down casually and we talk the trade. and And I learned a bunch of stuff from Tim there, and the fact that he had a beer on the go, it just, just loosens things right up. And, and, and I think that's awesome. Um, Tim is taking a, an approach that I think we should all take notice of. Okay. The approach of data driven evidence to make a decision instead of just licking your finger, holding it in the air and, and coming up with a conclusion based on a gut feeling. Now I'm not saying your gut is wrong, but it's nice to take the analytics that you see from the technology that's available nowadays to make the correct decision for your customer. And, and I think that's what Tim's doing and he's doing it well and he's successful while doing it. So let's all be like Tim. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Tim. I'm not trying to embarrass you. Anyway, I thought that was a great conversation, but it's come to an end. I'm out guys. Thank you. The master group. Once again, happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know-It-All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.